have you here. And uh, you may take your seats and smile at a person. I always think it's great to smile. Thanks, team. They do a great job. Appreciate these guys. Give them a hand on the stage. They're always so diligent and uh, wonderful, I believe. You know, I think there's a lot we can believe in today. <clears throat> uh, I think there's a lot we can just be thankful for today. Uh, and tonight, I, I started uh, a little mini-series this morning in church called, uh, called Just the Power of Gratitude. And I just wanted to continue on that theme tonight. And I just want to share with you some incredible thoughts, I believe, from a psalm, Psalm 100. Uh, could we turn there it, it's in your Bibles? Uh, it's one of those great psalms, five verses. Uh, it's not a big psalm, it's just a little psalm. But who knows, little things, good things come in little packages sometimes, don't they? And uh, this psalm is, uh, I don't even, don't really even know the author. It doesn't say who the author is, but it's the psalmist of some. But it is entitled, A Psalm of Thanksgiving. A Psalm of Thanksgiving. And the whole psalm is, is encapsulated in the theme of thankfulness and gratefulness. And uh, I want to just bring your attention to some incredible thoughts out of this tonight. It just says in Psalm 100 verses 1 to 5. You're there? Have you got it? Uh, it says, make a joyful, it's not up on the screen. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Uh, serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Uh, we are his people and the sheep of his pastures. And then it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name for the lord is good his mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations what a great positive psalm isn't that it, it, it's a great set of thoughts right there in every verse there's just gems of truth um if in talking about uh, I want to talk about the power of gratefulness tonight and thankfulness. And, and I read and I listened to this article uh, these days. Sometimes there's more listening on the internet than, and then actually uh, reading. And I, I was fascinated with this article I, I looked at. And it was about a Harvard Medical School who'd, who'd published a, a, an article that had confirmed um, a, that, that gratefulness and thankfulness had a powerful effect on people's lives. And there was a couple of men, there was Professor Robert uh, Amens and his assistant, Michael McCulloch, and they conducted a study. And what they did, they took a whole bunch of people and divided them into three groups. And the first group, they said, every week for 10 weeks to the first group, we want you to write a few sentences at the end of each week about what you were grateful for each week. Okay, that was the first group. The second group, they said, uh, we also want you to write at the end of the week what irritated you in this week for 10 weeks. And then they said to a third group, we just want you to write whatever you want to write, whether good or bad, it just, just some things that happened in your week, just write about them. Now, I won't give you all the details, it caught quite a while to go through everything, but in the research found after 10 weeks that the first group, you guessed it, were more optimistic, felt better about their lives. Uh, those were the people who exercised, and interesting enough, not only were they optimistic, that is, you know, thinking positive thoughts, and felt better about themselves, but they found that these were the people who exercised more. That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> and went to the doctor less during those 10 weeks. 
So with, they, they, they were able to gather this, and what it showed them was gratitude and thankfulness not only caused us to be in a better state of mind, but it also positively affects our physical health. No wonder the Bible says, a merry heart is like a medicine. That's what it says in Proverbs. A merry heart. No wonder the Bible says. What these two gentlemen had discovered, of course, uh, the truth is, uh, many Christians, and certainly the Bible has proclaimed it for centuries, that gratitude has an incredible power on our lives when we release it through our lives and out. Amen. Gratitude. No wonder the Bible talks about many verses that says, in all things, we said this morning, what give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Many times the Bible talks about having an attitude of gratitude. And from this psalm tonight, I just thought I'd just draw some thoughts, draw some great thoughts about what attitude actually allows to happen in our lives when we have gratitude and thankfulness in our lives. And the, and the first thing I wanted to draw your attention was verse 1, because it says, Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all ye lands. Make a joyful shout. Okay? Sometimes we hear a lot of shouting, but it's not joyful around this world. We hear it on the news. We hear it in the news reports. We hear it maybe even in our own street sometimes. People shouting at each other, but it's not joyful. It's all because they're angry, because they're frustrated, because they want to get back at someone. They want revenge. They're jealous. Whatever it is, jealousy. But they're shouting. There's a lot of people on the news. We see uh, evidence of that. People getting upset with each other and shouting. But I want to tell you, God says, if you if gratefulness and evidence of gratefulness will be joy in our lives. I'd rather live in a joy of atmosphere than a grumbling atmosphere, wouldn't you? No? <laughs> I'd rather live in a home that has a, a positive response and, and a grateful response to life than one that's always grumbling about what's wrong with the world. I must admit, sometimes I think I just have to flick the telly off the news because it just seems to be so negative sometimes. It's not that I don't want to hear the truth, it's just I wish they'd sometimes give us some more of the good stuff as well about what's happening in the world. Would, don't you agree? But, but gratefulness brings a joyful atmosphere. When we're grateful, great, gratitude brings warmth into a room, it brings warmth into your life. Ingratitude sucks the atmosphere out of your life, of the Holy Ghost in His presence. I tell you, when we grumble and whine, I tell you... It's like God just kind of exits sometimes because he can't, we can't have light and darkness in the same vessel. And you know, I, I think we've got to be aware, you control the atmosphere of your life. And the power of your words control the atmosphere of your life. The power of what you say and you speak. And it's more than just saying nice words. It's, coming, it's got to be words that come from your heart and what you believe. Gratitude, thankfulness. Uh, and uh, that's what we've got to be aware of. Proverbs says this in 15.15. It says, He who is of a merry heart has a continual feast. I love that thought. In other words, a person who, who is allowing something of a joy in their life, uh, and, and of course, and joy is often a sign of gratefulness and thankfulness. And when you allow that type of quality in your life, it says there's a continual feast. It's not a physical feast. It's, it's not something that you sit down to a big table with a large meal in front of you. What it is, is that your heart has good things to choose from because you've got a joy and gratitude and thankfulness in your life. 
life. I want to tell you where you'll starve your spirit spiritually, and that is when you're negative, whinge, and complain. I tell you, it just starves you. There's nothing about it that's going to ever give you uh, life in that. But when there's attitude of gratitude, there's much to choose from. It's like a big meal table. Wow, so much, so much abundance. And that's what gratitude and thankfulness do in our lives. Amen. And even on our bad days, we can have abundance of sustenance in here, even though on the outside circumstances can be quite horrific or not good. I tell you, we're having this joy because of gratefulness. And so the joy you have in 2016 is not dependent on your circumstances. The joy in our lives in 2016 is dependent upon more gratitude, more gratitude, more thankfulness. Uh, we have power to affect the atmosphere in our homes, in our workplaces. Uh, we have power to, uh, to affect every place that we go. And you know, I've decided in 2016, I don't want to be a thermometer. You know what a thermometer does? A thermometer just tells you uh, what's happening around it. It's just controlled by the temperatures and the atmosphere around it. You know, so it, it doesn't control anything. It's controlled. It's controlled by the circumstances around it. I don't want to be a thermometer. I want to be a thermostat. And you know what a thermostat does? It's just a simple little apparatus that just controls the temperature. It doesn't, it's not controlled. It controls it. And, and to put it in simple terms, a thermostat in the simplest term I know is it sits sometimes in, around your radiator, in the top of your radiator in your car. And when it, when it senses that the water in your motor of your engine's too hot, it'll release, it'll open up more and release cold water into the motor and bring it back to a better temperature. Simple as that. And so a thermostat controls the atmosphere around it. It's not controlled by it. And I say, what are you going to be like in 2016? I want to be a thermostat. And the way you can do that is that you allow gratitude and thankfulness to be your portion in life. Because you know what? As I said this morning, human nature is easily, it, it, it defaults to grumbling and whinging, doesn't it? I find I can find a lot to get upset about, you know. And sometimes in this society, it can be the simplest little things. Someone cuts me off in traffic. You know, I go into Woolworths to buy a certain product that's not on the shelf, it's been sold out. And I get upset and I think, far out, my goodness, is that, all I, is that all I can get upset about? What a waste of time. There's more to be grateful for, isn't there, than to get grumbly about. So I've, I've, I could see that gratitude brings a joyful atmosphere in our lives. Here's the second thing about this, this chapter, uh, Psalm 100, uh, what, great, what uh, uh, gratefulness and thankfulness do. It brings an appreciation for opportunities. When you're grateful... You have an appreciation for the opportunities around you. You see more opportunities because it says in verse 2, serve the Lord with, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, there's two words you don't often see in the same sentence, serving and gladness. <laughs> Sometimes I'm glad when other people serve me. But when we, when we have gratitude and thankfulness in our hearts, we're glad that we could serve others or we could serve God. It becomes, hey, opportunity. I see the opportunity to serve. I see the opportunity to do something. I see an opportunity. You know, if we're grumbling and whinging, it, you don't often see the opportunity because you're looking for things that are just going to fulfill us, me. And you're not looking out there to see what could fulfill other people, what you could do for someone else. 
And see, this is what the psalmist says is, come on, serve the Lord with gladness. You know, not, I've got to do this again. Uh, why not just gratitude allows you to do it with gladness. Um, you know, it, uh, I shared the story a little bit this morning, but the Israelites, the whole nation of Israel, over a million people. And it's interesting because for 400 years they were in slavery. 400 years in slavery. And you'd think they'd be happy when they come out of slavery, wouldn't you? But you know, when they come out of slavery, they started to grumble. They said, oh, we want to go back to Egypt. It was better back there. We are going to come out here and starve and die of thirst. They couldn't help themselves, could they? Unfortunately, they'd lived in a culture of grumbling and whinging, and that's the way they'd lived their life. And so when they came into freedom, they couldn't, they couldn't really see it as freedom. They just saw it as a problem. They never saw the opportunity. They never saw the freedom they had. Isn't it a shame? And it says in Exodus chapter uh, 2 and 3, let me just read a couple of verses of Exodus chapter 16. Verse 2, the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. Remember, they're now in freedom, out of slavery. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. At least we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Oh, isn't that a great friend to have like that? You know, you're saying, hey, we're out of slavery. And they're saying, yeah, but I don't like it. If we go on to verse 7, it says, And in the morning, Mo, um, you shall see, Moses said, In the morning, guys, hang on, stop your grumbling. You're going to see the glory of the Lord. For you, here's your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? It's an interesting thought. And Moses said, then shall be seen when the Lord gives you the meat to eat in the evening, which is the quail, and the morning bread to the full, which is the manna. For the Lord hears your complaints, which you make against him. What are we? Your complaints are not against us, but against the Lord. Now, I find this interesting. First of all, um, they, you thought they would have been happy, as I said, to be out of slavery. But no, they grumble because they're, they've come out of slavery into freedom, and yet they still grumble. And it's interesting how the past sometimes for people looks far better than what presently happening, even though what we've got now is far better than we had in the past. And interesting, sometimes we sometimes talk about the past. Oh, the past was so good. Oh, yesterday was so good. Well, it might have been, but why not just be thankful for today and what you have today? Amen. See, the Israelites so big to think they were, in, they were in the present in freedom, but they couldn't see the freedom they had because they were still wanting to go back to the past. Oh, the past was better. At least we had pots of meat and bread to eat there. We're going to die of hunger out here. Oh, if only they could see the opportunity. The ingratitude just stopped them from seeing clearly the opportunity they had. And that's what ingratitude does. That's what the grumbling does. Yeah, and it's interesting here. That interesting that their grumblings, they thought was against Moses and Aaron, but really it was against God. That's what it says in Scripture. Hey, Moses and Aaron said, hey, yeah, your grumbling isn't against us, it's against God. So it's interesting that, you know, when we grumble, we're actually casting aspersions against God. You know, I don't like my hairy legs. I don't like my job. I don't like my boss. I don't like my home. I don't like this. I don't like that. Folks, you know, you know we, can, we think, oh, well, I'm just complaining. I'm not... Nothing to do with God. No, it is everything to do with God. Because sometimes when we say, well, I don't like this and I don't like that, we're really saying to God, well, God, you really didn't get it right, God. 
because what I'm living in now isn't what I thought I should live in. And God, you really haven't got it right. And I'm grumbling because I don't like this and I don't like that. And really, you're saying to God, your providence and your hand upon my life is no good. And, and in fact, God, you're really, if you kind of drill down into that, you're really saying, well, God isn't good. So it's, you know, that's what Moses and Aaron tried to under, help the Israelites to understand. Your grumbling's not against us, it's against God. It's against God. And you can appreciate the Israelites, they would have dreamed, when they were in slavery for 400 years, they used to dream about being free. They used to dream about owning their own home, owning their own land. You know, dream about the promised land, dream about the things that were to come. And yet when they stepped into it, they couldn't see it because of a lack of gratitude. They couldn't see it. And you know, sometimes I can be a little bit like us. You know, I used to dream as a, as a teenager of having my license. I thought, gee, one day I won't need anybody else to drive me around. I'll be able to drive myself around. I won't need, you know, I won't need people to take me here and there. It'll be so good. And you know, the day came, I got my license. And I can, I can still remember clearly the very car I drove the first time by myself and the road I drove on. I can see it. Because it was such an incredible experience to think I can drive by myself. And then my dad, when I was 18, gave me the family car. It was about 20 years old, but he gave me the family car. And uh, I, I was super excited. And so I had Holden Kingswood, and I drove that Kingswood around. And, you know, for the first two months, I thought it was so good. I dreamed about owning a car. I dreamed about having a license. But, you know, six months down the track, I found out that I had to pay petrol all the time. I found out that the gears in this car used to get stuck and I'd have to shake the linkages to get the gears right again and get under the bonnet and sometimes stuck at stoplights wasn't, was quite embarrassing and I, and I started to grumble. Isn't it amazing? Six months earlier, I was dreaming about it. Six months later, I'm grumbling about it. Maybe I should have just been thankful for what I had and just had another dream. I'll get a better car one day. This is great what I've got, but I'm going to get that one. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Our human nature wants to take us down a path that just wants to destroy us. When we're grateful, we appreciate the opportunities that are in front of us. No matter how old or what, they don't seem perfect or they didn't, not exactly like we thought they should be, we'll see the opportunities and we'll be grateful and be thankful. Is anybody just even amen to that tonight? <laughs> You know, sometimes opportunities come wrapped in hard work. But they're still great opportunities. And gratefulness will help us to see it as an opportunity. Amen. Third thing about being grateful is verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pastures. I want to tell you what gratefulness does. It brings a peace of mind. A peace that surpasses all understanding. It talks about in the Bible. And that's, you know, we can see that uh, the reality and the truth that it says, know that the Lord, He is God. Because in, in their culture of the day, there was a lot of gods that were floating around in the cultures of the day. There was the Egyptian gods and there was the Canaanite gods. But God was reinforcing to the children of Israel. And he was saying, hey, I want you to know, this God that's brought you out of slavery, he, Moses said, he, well, the psalmist said, he's God. Know that the Lord, he is God. 
And uh, it is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Now, that should be a relief to us because we don't have to try and, try and be something we're not. We've got to realize that God, if we yield unto him and surrender unto him, he will be the one who makes and creates and develops our character, our lives as we yield to him. And we don't have to be anything we're not in God. But we've got to understand he's God. He's not just some one of many gods. He's the only true creator uh, God. And uh, the exciting thing is that this is the God who made the heavens and the earth. He sets the stars in place. The earth is his footstool. He's incredible. He looks after it all. And yet he's still interested in you and me. In actual fact, the psalmist gives this intimate picture of a shepherd and a sheep. And he says, you are the sheep of my pastures. Every one of us here tonight, uh, God knows intimately. In actual fact, so much so that he knows the very number of hairs on your head. That's an intimate God. And he says, I'm a shepherd to you and you're the sheep. I want to care. And you know, um, you've got to get this cultural picture right. Because in Australia today, shepherds and sheep, they don't, there's not a lot of love. You know, in Australia, when they do sheep herding, they get a helicopter or a motorbike. Or, and they just get them moving. In Israel, the shepherd leads the sheep. The shepherd knows the sheep by name. It's an incredible picture to see, to, to see in Israel a shepherd still leading the sheep through the park. And the sheep follow the shepherd. And that's the intimacy of relationship. And so when the psalmist says, and, and you're my people and the sheep of my pastures, that's, that's an indication that he wants to bring peace and joy and hope to our lives. And I want to tell you, gratitude and thankfulness creates an atmosphere for that peace to develop for that peace to continue to be in our hearts. So, Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for everything. Anybody going to stop me? Be anxious for what? Nothing. Of course, nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. God, you know, it's, I, I read that verse and I just had this thought. God doesn't guarantee that, it, that just any type of prayer is going to bring peace. Because there's some prayer that we pray. It's like, pray, God, could you look after this? God, can you help me here? And they're cool. They're good prayers. There's nothing wrong with God. God wants to hear the requests that we have. But they don't necessarily bring peace. Because it says if you want peace, there needs to be prayer with thanksgiving. And I think there's a difference. And so I, I think uh, that, that that's the type of prayer where God's going to say, yeah. You know, I hear you. Thanksgiving allows God to bring, because when you start to give thanks, you take the focus of your problem in yourself and you focus it on something greater than you. Isn't that true? What's the psalmist say? Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And as you've heard me say before, magnify means to make something bigger than the problem. So magnify God is to make God bigger in your heart, than the issue. I tell you, that's, and when you mix it with gratefulness and thankfulness, I mean, that is a wonderful recipe. And so prayer, sometimes, um, the type of prayer God's asking us to say, you know, is, is to actually say, bring requests with thanksgiving. I think that's powerful, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. I think sometimes we, we have not, because not only do we not ask not, but we don't bother to even thank Him. 
you know, sometimes we just need to say, God, I know that you have my back. I thank you that you have my back. God, I thank you that you don't leave me nor forsake me. God, I thank you that all things can work together for good. Father, I thank you that you have made me and that means you look, look after me. God, I thank you that the terrible situation that I'm facing right now is never taking you by surprise and it's not this time either. I thank you, God, that I can trust you in all circumstances. I think that's a great prayer. Now, if sometimes you're not quite sure how to pray, don't, don't how to ask, well, just thank him. Because when thankfulness comes into your heart, often a peace comes, and often then you can see the way to what you need to really ask for. What do you reckon? Amen. Last thought tonight. Verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. And he was caught with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. I want to tell you what gratefulness does. It opens doors. It really does open doors for you. The Message Bible says, same verse, Psalm 100 verse 4. The Message Bible says this. And I don't read the Message Bible a lot, but sometimes I'll just have a bit of a look. And this one was really good. Instead of saying, enter your gates with thanksgiving, the Message Bible says, enter with the password, thank you. How's that? Enter with the password, Thank you. You know, ever play a game when you were a kid, you know, and you built this cubby house and someone next door neighbor comes over and you say, what's the password? You wouldn't have a clue what, they wouldn't have a clue what the password is, so you don't let them in. <laughs> no. But you know what God says? Do you know what the password to opening the gates is thank you? What gates do we need to open? We need to pull down, we need to open the gates and, and get rid of fear, anxiety, worry. All those things, hopelessness, frustrations, depression. God wants to open the gates. And as we, I believe it. And as we allow thankfulness and gratitude, I tell you what, you open the gate to so much more. And all those things can be just, bang, they can be released and got out of your life. I believe that, that thankfulness, um, praise, you can add to that as well. Gratitude. Um, open the door so that things like those things can be destroyed and let out of your heart, and that joy and peace can come in. in there's a story that is a wonderful story in Acts chapter 16. The two of the apostles of the day, Paul and Silas, were put into the inner jail. They'd been out sharing God's word, they'd been arrested, they were thrown into jail. Not just a jail, but the inner jail. They were put in, their hands and feet were put in stocks, they had guards beside them. And to make it all matters worse, uh, just, uh, just uh, not so many days before, James the Apostle, or James the, the disciple of Jesus, had been martyred. So you can appreciate Paul and Silas probably had every opportunity to start to think, you know, maybe tonight's our last night on this earth. They probably had every opportunity to think, eh, uh, this isn't looking good. They had every opportunity to get concerned and worried. But every opportunity to say, well, you know, to be upset too, because I mean, they only didn't really do anything wrong and they'd be thrown into the inner prison and they couldn't get around. They'd be, you know, their backs are raw because they'd been whipped and they're in stocks and they've got guards and, you know, that every opportunity. Now, I'm not quite sure exactly what they thought, but I do know what they did. And it says at midnight, at midnight, midnight's always the darkest point of the, generally, of, the, of your day. Because, you know, it's, you know, so many hours since the sun went down and it's going to be so many hours till the sun comes up. It's about halfway point in the middle of the night generally. And it's a dark time. And so it was a very dark time in Paul and Silas's life. And you know what? 
they, I don't know if they were concerned, maybe they were, but they decided to do something about it and they lifted their voices and they sang a song. And you know what? Songs don't open prison doors. But songs do move the heart of our God that will open prison doors. And you know, it, it, that's what happened. The gates flew open and, you know, and, and there was an earthquake and bang. So what, what we see here was, and it's not the fact that they sang a song. It's their willingness to sing a song in the midst of the darkest moment, in, one of, in some of the darkest moments in their life. It was their willingness to have gratitude in the darkest moment of their life. It wasn't the song itself, it was just the willingness. So you don't have to be a great singer. You just have a willingness to have gratitude and thankfulness, church. Have a willingness. And it doesn't even have to be a song. It could just be words from your heart. But a willingness. And, you know, uh, of course, the doors flung open. Uh, and uh, amazing things happen. You can read in Acts chapter 16 how it unfolds. And it starts with a declaration of gratitude. Fear turns into faith. Tombstones turn into stepping stones. Amen. When we allow an attitude of gratitude to start to rise in our hearts, then in this year, I believe God would call us, individuals as a church, to start to allow that to be a portion in our life. There's a story I just want to finish with this evening, and it's a great story, and a simple story and it goes like this there was a farmer his surname is Fleming he was a Scottish farmer he lived uh, in the early part of the uh, 19th century one day he's out in the field and he's working as he normally feel, uh, works and then he heard this cry for help he dropped his tools his farm implements he ran across the field and they're in a bog, because in Scotland and England, they have this thing called moors, and they have bogs, just deep, muddy pits. They're a bit like quicksand, I imagine. And, and there was a young lad who'd fallen into this bog, and he couldn't get to the side, and he was slowly but surely, as he thrashed around, he was slowly sinking into the bog. Well, thankfully, Farmer Fleming, he saved him out of the bog. The young man was right, and the young man went home. The next day, he got a knock on the door of his little humble farmyard house, and it was a nobleman, very well dressed in a lovely carriage and horses, and he politely introduced himself and said to the farmer Fleming, you saved my son yesterday, and I want to pay you for that. I want to show my gratitude and thankfulness. I want to pay, give you some contribution to you and your family. I want to do that and the farmer Fleming said you no need to do that I, it's okay I don't need your money in that sense because anybody who was there would have done the same thing and then farmer Fleming's son came to the door behind the farmer and the nobleman looked at this young man who was about the same age as the, his son who had been saved from the bog and he said I tell you what you can't refuse me I'm going to pay for this young man's education at whatever, you know, whatever college, whatever school he wants to go to, I'll pay for it for the rest of his life and make sure he gets a good education. Farmer Fleming couldn't convince him to do anything else, and so he agreed. So this young man, Fleming, went to, went to school and then went on to a medical school, St. Mary's Medical School in London. He became a 
medical practitioner, but even a little bit more than that, he became quite an astute professor of medicine, this humble farmer's son. So much so that he became, he was the man who invented penicillin. His name was Sir Alexander Fleming. That doesn't probably mean too much, but the fact that he invented penicillin, we all need to be thankful for tonight. Because literally hundreds and thousands, if not millions of people are alive in this world because of penicillin. And so this humble farmer's son grew up to become this great medical professor who discovered penicillin. The story goes on like this. That young man who fell into the bog and nearly died that fateful day grew up too. He became a politician and one day he contracted ammonia. Now, in that day and age, in the early 1900s, ammonia could be a fatal disease. But guess what saved his life? Penicillin. This young man, his father's name of this nobleman was Sir Randolph Churchill. His son was Sir Winston Churchill. Sir Winston Churchill was the young boy who nearly lost his life in the bog and then of course nearly lost his life to ammonia so Winston Churchill went on to become Prime Minister of England so Winston Churchill fulfilled an incredible destiny I'd like to say this because of the simple gesture of thankfulness Sir Randolph Churchill the father of Sir Winston with gratitude and thankfulness to a humble farmer whose son he paid for his education grew up to save his son from possible death so that his son could fulfill the destiny. And it all started with a thankful heart because of some humble farmer who saved his son out of a bog. I want to tell you, thankfulness and gratitude are a powerful, powerful statement when you allow them to flow in your life. I want to encourage us Find something to be thankful for. I know there's plenty of things to get upset about. And I know that you've got every right to sometimes just share. But don't let, don't let the negative and the grumbling and the complaining ever become a part of your life so that it enculturates your heart. Resist the temptation to allow your human nature to take you down that path and take a hold of an attitude of gratitude and live that way. Can we stand tonight? There's many things that we could be thankful for. I'm thankful tonight I live in Australia. There's many places that are not as good as Australia. I'm thankful tonight that our God loves us incredibly, incredibly so much. I'm thankful tonight that I have a family. I'm thankful tonight. Have we got some struggles? Yep. Yeah. Got some struggles. Will we have some struggles in 2016? Definitely. Will we have some things that will challenge us this year? Definitely. Will we have things that are just uncomfortable and not good and not, and not right? Definitely. Will we be treated wrongly? Will we, will we be, you know, treated badly? Probably. Will we have opportunity to get angry and want to just get upset? Yeah. But church, I just want to challenge you. Gratitude allows us in the midst of it 
to see opportunity, to allow peace to develop in our hearts. It allows the doors to be opened so we can walk in freedom and stay in freedom. And that's my prayer for you tonight. Let me pray. Father, I ask that we would be a people that would allow gratitude to be our portion in life. But Father, this year when we come across a hard time, yeah, we may have initial thoughts, I'm just not, this is not fair, it's not right. But in the end, I pray that gratitude and thankfulness will rise from our lips and more importantly, from our hearts. So that we can be a people that would allow the presence of God to so flow through us that it would even influence other people as they see us give you thanks in the midst of our struggles. And Father, we thank you tonight for your presence. And we ask you, help us, God, because we can't do it on our own. We need you. And we give you all the honor and all the praise tonight. And everybody agreed, said, amen. Come on, let's just sing this song before we close tonight. That would be wonderful. Thank you, Lord. The Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one.